The following content is from Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a gospel-driven high-adventure camp in western North Carolina. Go to SWOutfitters.com to learn more about our camps and conferences. Enjoy the message. What an awesome weekend it's been already, right? Um, so, yeah, clap for the Lord. That's good. Um, I won a bowling trophy once. Church staff. That's right. Um, it's really hard to bowl left-handed if you're right-handed, you know? You should try it sometime. But um, I have the, the challenge of keeping your attention after a full worship service in the morning and with the looming anticipation of shooting guns and going down a river and all the fun that you have ahead of you. But I thought, like, I mean, what better topic to keep your attention than sex, you know? So... Um, from the title of the breakout, if you looked at the schedule, you'll know that we're going to be talking about pornography, lust, sex, sexual morality, masturbation. We're not going to leave any stone unturned. Um, and I have the privilege, like Rob said, of, of pastoring here at Red Oak and got to know a lot of great guys. Um, and I've started a few discipleship groups with guys in the mornings. Uh, one of those groups is a, an engaged guys group. We've got four guys who are um, in their early 20s engaged, about to be married. And so we're meeting uh, weekly for accountability um, and discipleship. And uh, the other day, uh, I mean, I'm learning a lot from these guys, as I hope they're learning some from me too. And, um, but I, I learned something the other day. One of them said, um, you know, this group has been really healthy for me um, to not whack my pappy. And I was like, excuse me? I said, what did you say? And he said, you know, to not whack my pappy. And I was like, what is that? And he was like, you know, masturbation? And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, and then they went on a litany of, I mean, I'm not even going to say how many names that they have for it. Um, but I, I, thought, I thought to myself, I was like, that's silly. But then I, I realized like, well, back 20 years ago, me and my buddies had a name for it too, you know, because we were idiots. And so um, we were trying to hold each other accountable and, uh, and, and we didn't want to masturbate because we, we said that's stealing glory from God. And so we called it burgling. We called it burgling. One day, I was writing in my prayer journal that I was struggling with burgling. My mom found the journal. <laughs> and she approached me and she said, Joseph, I didn't suspect you for a thief. And I said, Mom, I haven't been stealing anything. What are you talking about? And she showed me my journal. And I was, that was a really awkward conversation. I was like, what are you doing reading my journal? I getting all up in my business. Um, well, sometimes when we, when we look back on, on, on our past uh, and sins that we've committed and things that we've done, um, we realize how stupid we were. Right, but, but the reality is, let's be very clear, masturbation is purely personal satisfaction. There is, it's, it's purely selfish. There's nothing honorable or God-glorifying about it, and it absolutely has no place in the life of a born-again follower of Jesus Christ. It's a distortion of sex, and it's sinful. And the same can be said about pornography. It's a, it's a twisting uh, of our view of sex, it perverts God's good design and original intent. Sex is good because God created it, and God 
is good. Sex is, is essentially, it existed before. Sexuality existed before the fall. Before sin came into the world. And God said, it's very good. Men, you were not created for sex. I think some of us need to hear that. You were not created for sex. You were created for God. It is possible to live a full, abundant, vibrant life apart from sex. Jesus is our ultimate example of a man, and he never had sex. But God isn't against pleasure. God invented pleasure. God created the body. God created sex, and this world did not. We need to remember that. It's our own lust that we've gone outside of the, the boundaries of God's good design, brought nothing but pain, destruction, and death upon ourselves because of our fleshly desires. And so I wanted to share a little bit of my own personal testimony with you guys. My first exposure to pornography was in the fifth grade. I was on the school bus, and a kid just stuck a magazine right in front of my face. And only by God's grace did I not journey down a path of sexual morality. But many years later, I would journey down that path. And for me, it started when I was 15. It was the, the JCPenney catalog in my mom's and dad's bathroom. A lot of you do have no idea what a JCPenney catalog is. But this is before the internet. And I was curious, and the bra section of that magazine was fascinating. And this was, this was before everybody had, like, computers in their pockets, right? There was no cell phones with the Internet on it. And when I was in high school, we had a, a family computer in the living room, just one. It was about the biggest of the stage. And, and we had dial-up Internet on that computer. Well, that's when the lust of my heart found the sewage on the Internet. And once again, my mom found my search history. And she proceeded to print off every single thing that I had looked at. And one day when I was playing Nintendo 64 Mario Kart, minding my own business, she came down into the basement and threw all the pictures on my lap. Talk about being caught. Shame. Guilt. Your sin being thrown in your face. It's not fun, right? But here's the problem. I didn't care. I didn't care because I didn't have a relationship with Christ. And that, it only made me angry. And that led into a decade-long addiction to pornography. This was before the smartphone. And so in my secret sin, I had to get creative, which led into more and more and more sin and more and more lying. And that's what sin does. It just compounds. It led into me stealing movies and magazines from stores. But then the Lord redeemed me my senior year of high school. He radically transformed my life from the inside out, and everything changed, almost everything. You see, I was still a sexual sinner. But this time, I was actually convicted, and I, and I felt guilt. I knew better. And I thought that getting married would solve my porn problem, but it didn't. I almost destroyed my marriage because of my selfishness, my pride, and my lack of self-control. But praise God for a godly wife who demonstrated the gospel of grace and forgiveness to me over and over again like nobody I've ever seen for or since. The Lord in his sovereign mercy and patience allowed me to get caught. 
and I'm thankful he did. I walked through a season of, of church discipline and restoration for years with brothers in Christ in the church, my wife, pastors, and biblical counselors. It was the most difficult time in my life. It was the darkest time in our marriage, but it was healing and it was necessary. I share all of that to say I've been there. I don't stand up here as someone who hasn't experienced the slavery of sexual immorality that plagues your life. It can and it will destroy you if you don't fight it, if you don't die. It never fulfills what it promises. The guilt, shame, resentment are overwhelming. They don't leave. The pain and destruction it brings to those you love is real. And I hope that you'll learn from my past failures so that you won't grieve the Holy Spirit, that you won't have to look in your wife's or your future wife's eyes because you've broken their heart, that you won't damage discipleship in the church and that you won't destroy your family. And also hear this, that there is grace available. Freedom is possible. Fullness of life is available to those who seek it and for those who fight for it. But there is no place for apathy in this fight. Action must be taken. Boundaries must be set up. Confession must be genuine. Hard conversations must be had. And drastic steps must be taken to restore freedom, pursue holiness, and build trust back in relationships. And that takes time. You know, I, I took my, uh, my, after I got caught, I took my laptop outside and took my 40 caliber and I just shot it. Because it was time for my flesh to die. And that was a tool that I had used to feed my flesh. And so it had to go. Radical measures must be taken, but freedom is possible. I don't think that anyone would disagree that we live in a pornographic culture. A secular psychologist said this, my definition of pornography is not based on the imaging of specific sexual acts, but rather on the portrayal of physical intimacy and the absence of emotional engagement. Pornography represents sexual encounter as a matter of arousal and release. It may cater to an individual's wishes, fantasies, or desires, but does not offer the pleasure or consolation of engaging with another person as complex and mysterious as oneself. A porn culture, in my view, is one in which we do not seek to establish positive, mutual, gratifying relationships, but rather to use one another for personal gain or satisfaction. Have we entered so deeply into porn culture that we take it for granted that this is the norm, not only for how we treat one another in bed, but also for how we behave in the sphere of family, community, business, and politics? That is to say, you do whatever it takes to get what you want. That's from a secular psychologist, y'all, a non-believer. And he's not the first non-Christian to realize that pornography is a problem in our culture in our society before you even open the Bible. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Russell Brand is a Brit British actor. He's a comedian. Uh, he was a, he's a sex addict, a porn addict, a drug addict, a self-described narcissist. He's been through all sorts of rehabs, programs, accountability structures, and done everything conceivable to try to reorient his life apart from Christ. This is what he said. He said, our attitude towards sex has warped and perverted so much so that we've deviated from its true function as an expression of love and a means of procreation. He said, I, I heard a quote from a priest one time who said, pornography is not a problem because it shows us too much. It's a problem because it shows us too little. 
Brand goes on to say, there's a general feeling in your core if you look at pornography that this isn't the best thing for me to do. This isn't the best use of my time right now. I don't put down the laptop lid and think, well, there's a productive piece of time spent connecting with the world. Right? Like He's right. It's a gigantic waste of time. In fact, it's a, it's a waste of your life. It's flushing your life down the drain. You were created for more. So if secular psychologists and Hollywood actors realize that porn has a negative effect on us as men and women, what about Christians? Here's a Christian psychologist's point of view. The overstimulation of imagination by sex, sexual images renders the whole personality oversexed by disproportionately concentrating thought and desire, often to the point of pornographic addiction. It coerces feelings and attitudes towards the other sex as tools for sexual indulgence, unrefined by affection, tenderness, or respect. It inverts the sex drive into sterile, self-absorbed, physical pleasure alone, mental masturbation. And because overstimulation brings diminishing effects, it leads readily to mental indulgence and ever coarser sadistic perversions. I don't have to, to stand up here and prove to you guys that 100% of the men in this room have either viewed porn or are enslaved to it. The reality is, without using stats, that every single person in this room is a sexual sinner. Every person. Our culture believes that nothing's more essential to our identity as human beings than the freedom to express ourselves sexually and use our bodies as we choose. But God says the body belongs to him and not to us. We need to know that God created the body. He's for the body and he wants for us to use our bodies for his glory. We need to know that God created sex. He's for sex in the context of covenant Christian marriage and is glorified when we use his good gifts for his glory and for our good. Very simply put, porn is a twisting. It's a perversion of one of God's good gifts. It's a fantasy world, and it leads many men and women away from reality. One pastor said, digital porn is ubiquitous. It's everywhere. So how do we prepare our sons and daughters to win the war against the porn culture all around us? I entitled this breakout, Dying in a Pornographic Culture, because I believe that's what's happening. We have men and women who are dying, they're drowning in a sea of sensuality. Or we have men and women who are dying to themselves and submitting to Christ and living in this world. Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, this is gonna be our main passage today. We're gonna to go through a lot of scriptures. They're gonna be on the screen for you. Um, Luke 9, 23, if anyone would come after me, if you want to be a disciple of Christ, listen to Jesus, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The cross was purely for one thing, death. Die to yourself or you'll die forever. Apart from death, there is no following Jesus. Apart from death, there is no purity. There's two types of men in the room. There's married men and there's single men. For, for married men, you are called to be faithful mentally and physically. For single men, you're called to be faithful and chaste, mentally and physically. The biblical sexual ethic is clear. Ephesians chapter five, verse three says, but among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity. Can't get much more clear than that. 
And if you want to hear it from Jesus' mouth in Matthew 5, 27 through 28, he said, you've heard that it was said, you should not commit adultery. But I say to you, he raises the bar. If everyone, if anybody looks at a woman with lustful intent, he's already committed adultery with her in his heart. The problem is not that we have a greater access to explicit material anywhere at any time. Right? Lust, lust and sexual um, purity has been a struggle since there have been people on the earth. And you might say, to you, I, well, I, Joseph, I've never had sex before I got married. You might not have ever had physical intercourse before with another person, but how many people have you had sex with in your head or your heart? You know, I, I never physically cheated on my wife with another woman but if we take Jesus at his words, then I was a serial adulterer in my heart. That's why getting married won't fix your porn problem because the problem is not porn. It's your heart. You brought a lustful heart into the marriage bed. If you aren't a godly single person, what makes you think you're gonna be godly when you're married? Lust and sexual sin were around long before pornography was even a thing. So don't think that even if you don't look at porn that you're free of sexual immorality. The problem with porn is not porn. It's unbelief. The problem is within us. It's, it's the lust in our hearts. We don't believe that Jesus is actually better. He said, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself. Take up your cross, die daily and follow me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, when Christ bids a man to follow him, he bids that man to come and die. This is a call in general for all followers of Christ, men and women. But what about men specifically? What does biblical manhood look like? You know, the sex industry likes to use the word adult as the label for sexually explicit material. Adult store, adult videos, adult books, adult industry. In his article, Stop Calling It Adult, author Samuel Jones said this, for one thing, it's patently dishonest. Labeling smut adult is deceptive since it conveys the idea that voyeurism is a mature or grown-up pastime, but pornography is anything but adult in the meaningful sense of the word. Porn's depictions of ultra-low-stakes sex and infinitely accessible pleasure are more than fantasies. They're delusions. Delusions that only survive as long as the mind that harbors them bends and shapes to accommodate it. In order to find pornography maximally pleasurable, one has to shut out reality in greater and greater measures. God designed us to be biblically strong men who lead real women and real families, not to live in some fantasy world. Porn trains you to desire cheap thrills of fantasy over a committed relationship. Men who have no self-control and give in to sexual temptation and live in secret sin are not being the strong, biblically faithful men that God designed them to be. When we give in to our own lusts, no matter in what way that it is, we become weak. We no longer lead. We no longer are functioning how God designed us to function. Lust and pornography castrate your ability to make disciples. Lust and pornography castrate your ability to lead your family. Lust and pornography cause you to be impotent in God's mission. You have no power when you're under 
addiction. You have no power to advance the gospel. The problem is unbelief. The answer is repentance. And the way forward is war. So let's talk about war. Our model is Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says this, And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So true manliness is being like Christ, dying to yourself so that you can live for God's glory and others' good. If you're in Christ, you can do this. But if you're not in Christ, you can't. There is no power to kill sin apart from the Holy Spirit. We can put to death that which is earthly or fleshly in us because we've already died and our life is hidden with Christ in God. Romans 6, 6 says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. So Jesus killed the penalty of sin over your life. The Holy Spirit enables and empowers you to kill the power of sin over your life. And one day the Father's going to bring you home and the presence of sin will be no more. So why in the world should we fight? Why should we put to death our flesh? Why should we live in the Spirit? Why should we die to ourselves? It's because our very souls are at stake. Spencer quoted this verse last night, 1 Peter 2, 11. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires. That's the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. They wage war against your soul. You're in a battle, whether you like it or not. So kill or be killed. Sanctification is war. Becoming more like Jesus is not a walk in the park. Galatians 5 uh, 16 through 17, Paul says this, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So Christians have the spirit of God dwelling within us. Yet we also have residual lust dwelling within us. So what do we do with that? Or there's a very real war going on inside of the Christian between the flesh and the spirit. If there's no war inside of you, what does that tell you? Why else should we fight to kill the flesh? Because God will judge. In God's kindness, he's given us examples in the scriptures on how he responds to sexual sin. And I think one of the, the biggest deceptions of the enemy is to blind us to God's judgment. To blind us to the reality that this is how he treats sin, specifically sexual sin. Here's some examples. Genesis 6. Sexual sin and rebellion led to God's wrath through the flood. Genesis 19. Sexual perversion led to the destruction of whole cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. Hebrews 13.4. The marriage bed being defiled through sexual morality brings God's judgment. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? What's unrighteousness? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is what's at stake. 1 Corinthians 10, 8 says, In one day, 23,000 of them were put to death because of their sexually immoral Acts. Colossians 3, 6 says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexually immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. 
So it's very clear from the scriptures. God doesn't take sexual sin lightly. Jesus lived, died, was buried, and raised to, to life in order to purchase you and set you free from being a slave to sin, to set you free from darkness, to bring you in to light. And in that 1 Corinthians 6 passage, Paul warns of God's judgment on the unrighteous. And then he says this, if you want some hope. And such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. So if you have submitted to Jesus and you are a follower of Christ, then guess what? You've been washed. You can't get more pure than you are now. So you're not really fighting for purity. You're fighting from purity. Only the blood of Christ can purify you. Your identity is not what you were addicted to. Your identity is in Christ. Your body's no longer your own. You, are, you have a new master now. Your body belongs to the Lord, not to yourself. God's for your body. This is biblical. 1 Corinthians 6, 18-20 says, Flee, run from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Man, we've been bought with the precious blood of Christ. You are not your own. So the problem with porn and any other form of sexual sin is unbelief, which is a heart problem, which means we, we live as if we ourselves are sovereign, as if we are our own Lord, we call the shots, we do what we want to do, and we are selfish. And at base level, that is a heart problem. It's a worship problem. The answer is repentance. It's submitting to Christ as Lord. It's turning from your sin. It's turning to Jesus. It's crying out for mercy. And the way forward is sanctification. Living in a posture of repentance, making war against the flesh, dying to self, dying daily, following Jesus. We must die if we want to be faithful men. If you want to be a godly husband, if you want to be a godly father, if you want to be a good friend, if you want to be a, a faithful disciple maker in the church, then you must die. If you want to truly live, then you must die. So the main point, the main takeaway for today is die. Die daily. We must offer ourselves up to God as a living sacrifice. We, we must deny ourselves. If we want to be biblical men, we must die daily. C.S. Lewis wrote, die before you die. There's no chance after. Die before you die. There's no chance after. Milton Vincent, the author of A Gospel Primer, excellent little book. Milton Vincent said this. This quote is incredible. When my flesh yearns for some prohibited thing, I must die. When called to do something I don't want to do, I must die. When I wish to be selfish and serve no one, I must die. When shattered by hardships that I despise, I must die. When wanting to cling to wrongs done against me, I must die. When enticed by allurements of the world, I must die. When wishing to keep besetting sins secret, I must die. When wants that are borderline needs are left unmet, I must die. When dreams that are good seem shoved aside, 
I must die. Milton Vincent, a gospel primer. I must die. It's biblical. Not only did Jesus teach us to die and model it for us, he also taught us that drastic steps must be taken in order to follow him. In Matthew 5, Jesus said this, paraphrase, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, throw it away. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It's a serious call to action. Right? It's, it's that important because a stake is eternity. Lust is a tool of the enemy that blinds you from the reality of what's at stake. The Apostle Paul tells us after we die that we must take action to kill lingering sin in our lives. In Colossians 3, 5, he says, put to death what is earthly in you, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, idolatry. Jesus said, cut it off. Paul said, put it to death. Both of these are done in the power of the Spirit, not in and of yourself. Romans 8, 13 says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Kill the flesh. Deny yourself. What does that look like, Joseph? Pretty simple. It's saying no to self and yes to Jesus. You have to learn. I had to learn. Say no to Joseph and yes to Jesus. Wake up. Die daily. Every single day. So what happens if you have failed in this area? which I assume most people have. What happens when you do fall? When you leave from here today and you fall tonight or you fall tomorrow or you fall in a week? What's your response to sin? We should respond like King David did in Psalm 51. David was caught in adultery and in murder and in lying and trying to hide and cover up his sin. He was exposed because the Lord sees everything. He was exposed, and this is what David responded like. He penned Psalm 51, and we could and we should use this. You should use this as a psalm, a prayer of repentance. I don't know if you remember the words that were on the screen last night during the skit. After all the sins were put up, that was Psalm 51. David threw himself at God's mercy. He owned his sin. He repented and he got back up and he he wanted to let God use him for his glory. Some of you today need to go read Psalm 51 and use it as a prayer of repentance to the Lord. That would be a way better time spent than even going to lunch and eating food. It'd be a way better time spent than whatever you plan on doing during recreation. Go and read Psalm 51. Turn it into a prayer of repentance to the Lord. For some of you, pornography has become an idol that needs to be confessed, repented of, and destroyed in your life. For some of you, masturbation is a stronghold in your life, and it needs to go. And for all of us, lust is something that will be lurking at the door for the rest of our lives, waiting to take us out. And that's why we need to be vigilant. We need to be ready to fight. Fight for the purity of your heart. Fight for the renewal of your mind. Fight to keep the marriage bed pure. Fight for the wholesomeness of your relationships. And as somebody who's been there and fought for a while, I wanted to share a few strategies that I have seen successful in the fight every day. Number one, wake up and resolve to war. 
Wake up and resolve to war. At the moment you wake up, resolve to fight. Don't be passive in the battle. You either armor up or you get taken out. Period. Number two, die daily. You can never take a day off. Die daily. You can't take a day off because your flesh won't take a day off. Fight equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit because of the work of Christ on the cross. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we die daily and let Christ reign and rule through your life. Notice that Paul said, Jesus gave himself. He died because he loved us. Lust only seeks to get. It only seeks to get. It's purely selfish. Love seeks to give. Married men, love your wife by dying daily. How did Jesus show his love for his bride, the church? He laid his life down. He died. He sacrificed for her. Another strategy. This is a good one. Run away. Run. It's very biblical. Run away from the sin. Run towards what's better. God's word and God's ways are better. Nowhere else in scripture does it say for any other sin for you to flee. Flee from ungodliness. Free, flee from sexual morality. Run away from it. Pursue holiness. Don't even put yourself in a situation where you might be tempted. I know everybody in this room has been sitting around a campfire before. Maybe last night. How many people in the room, if somebody came up, grabbed a shovel, stuck it in there, got some hot coals out, and threw it on your lap, would stay there? Nobody. You would run. You'd run away. So what makes you think you're going to be strong enough to sit there in a room by yourself with your phone in your lap and not get burned? Walk by the Spirit. Realize that you aren't ever alone. Pray that God would make you more sensitive to his spirit. Tell the Holy Spirit that you want to be led by him, that you need his guidance, that you need his counsel. One reason that we don't have strong men in the church anymore is because we don't have men who are on their knees when they're by themselves and they're not praying. If we don't get on our knees by ourselves, and lay ourselves out before the Lord and surrender to him and submit to his spirit, then you will not be strong in the battle. But you're not alone. Wake up and walk in the spirit. Another strategy is play the tape forward. What does that mean? Think about, ask yourself, what will happen if I give in to this temptation? Whatever it is for you, what will happen? Think about the consequences of indulging in your lusts. Play the tape forward. Think about your family. Think about your wife. Think about your kids. Think about the church. Think about the consequences that it could have in your workplace. Think about the consequences it has on God's mission. Play the tape forward. Understand that you were created for more, that it'll never quench your thirst. Watching porn is like drinking a glass of sand and expecting it to quench your thirst. In reality, it'll kill you. You were created for water, more specifically living water. Nothing else will satisfy. Repentance. Yeah, repentance is a strategy. Living in a posture of repentance is a strategy. And I had to learn this the hard way. 
Repentance isn't just turning from something. It's turning to something. When, when I tell my boys, I, I try to teach my, my little boys, eight and six years old, what repentance is, I say, walk towards that wall. That's sin. And when I say repent, you turn around and you walk this way towards the door, and that's Jesus. Because repentance is turning away from something and turning to something. It's not being idle, it's not being passive. Turn away from your sin, tor- turn towards Jesus. Turn towards his kingdom. Turn towards his church. Turn towards his work. We're talking about Paul this weekend, right? He told Timothy, train yourself for godliness. That's difficult. That calls for sweat, striving, toiling. Train yourself for godliness. Think about the mission of God. Another strategy is get to work, man. Find something productive to do. Serve other people because serving other people is the opposite of selfishness. Serve your spouse. Married men, serve your wife. Pursue your wife. It's real easy. Weak people, it's real easy to give in to sexual sin. It's real easy to look at pornography. It's real difficult to sit across the table from somebody and and, and look, look them in the eyes. It's real difficult to have a a real conversation with another human being. It's real difficult to pursue your wife, but that's where you're called to. So serve her. Also remember, we are so forgetful. Remember that you are not your own. Remember that your body is not your own. Remember you were bought with a price. Remember what Christ did on that cross to purchase you. And learn the gospel, man. Speak the gospel to yourself I don't care if you're not a pastor. You can preach the gospel to yourself. You should preach the gospel to yourself. We can never get over the gospel. We never outgrow the gospel. Memorize scripture. You're in a spiritual war, so use spiritual weapons. I don't care if you go out and you shoot your phone or your iPad or your computer with your pistol. That's not gonna destroy the lust in your heart. Memorize scripture because it's a spiritual weapon, you're in a spiritual war. Saturate your mind with God's truth. I promise you, you will never regret it. You will regret every single time when you look at something you shouldn't have, or when you do something you, you know you shouldn't have done, you will never regret spending time in God's word. Get accountability. You are not meant to fight alone. You weren't created to fight alone. You weren't created to live alone. So get accountability. That's why we have the church. Find some men in the church and ask them to hold you accountable. Get into a small D group. Ask ask somebody to ask you hard questions. Go to biblical counseling. Counseling is good. It's necessary. It's a it's a means of God's grace in our lives. Why do we encourage people to go to biblical counseling when they're like about to get married? We're like, dude, yes, go to premarital counseling. I'm so glad you're doing that. That's awesome. That's so healthy. But then when you're married and people hear that you have problems and you're going to counseling, there's like a negative stigmatism around it. There's nothing wrong with counseling. Biblical counseling is good. It's healthy and you need it. So go to biblical counseling. Another one is make a list. Make a list 
of motivations for your purity and read it daily. Another one, ask your wife or a close friend to put a code on your phone or on a device. I don't care if you're an adult. It's a parental lock. It's a parental code. You cannot go to certain websites because that code's on there. And who's the only people who know the code? The other person. You don't. Or you want to go even more drastic? Get a dumb phone. You don't have to have this. The world says you have to have this. You don't have to have this. People survived for centuries without it. You can live without it. There are dumb phones that call and text and don't have your email on there. Get software for your devices. Get software for your devices. Accountability software. Covenant Eyes. X3 Watch. Something like that. Have somebody install it. You choose your accountability partners. If you know what you're looking at is going to be viewed by your wife and by your pastor or by your discipleship leader or your mentor or whatever, guess what? You're less likely to look at it. That's setting up a guardrail. Lastly, delete the apps. Delete the apps where you're tempted the most. If you know that you're tempted to fall when you open that app, delete it. Don't make excuses for it. Don't try to justify it. Don't don't think that you'll be strong enough. Just delete it. My wife told me many years ago, if you ever want God to use you in his kingdom, this cannot be a part of your life. And she's right. Because God will not put his hand on an impure vessel. He won't do it. If you want the Lord to use you to advance the gospel, we have to be pursuing holiness. Strategies are good. Guardrails are helpful. Tools are important. But apart from a changed heart, there is no freedom. The gospel of grace alone sets you free in order to work by denying yourself, dying daily, and saying no to ungodliness and yes to Jesus. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. What trains you? The grace of God. The grace of God trains you to say no to self and say yes to Jesus. The grace of God trains you to be self-controlled. The grace of God trains you to be upright, to live a godly life in this present age, to live a countercultural life. Romans 12, one says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, in view of his mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God's mercy is what motivates you to live daily by dying. His mercy, think on his mercy be a living sacrifice. That's what pleases the Lord. This is the gospel. Dying leads to life. True, abundant, satisfying life. One of my friends, he struggled with pornography. He almost destroyed his marriage. He wrote a song. Listen to these lyrics. Living, there's a hunger. And tasting, I get sicker. 
The human body enslaves me, but I want to be free. Give us hearts that turn in sorrow, not eyes that burn in passion. Don't forget that they are daughters created by their father, hidden in them beauty, scarred by your apathy. It takes away my fire, leaving a charred impression of beauty. It takes away my virtue, leaves me in a haze of failure. Don't forget that they are daughters created by their Holy Father, hidden in them beauty, scarred by your apathy. May we not be apathetic, but may we be active men in this war. David Brainerd, a young missionary, many years ago wrote this. Farewell, vain world. My soul can bid adieu. My saviors taught me to abandon you. Your charms may gratify a sensual mind, not pleasure a soul wholly for God designed. Forbear to entice, cease then my soul to call. Tis fixed through grace, my God shall be my all. While he thus lets me heavenly glories view, your beauties fade, vain world. My heart's no room for you. Men of godliness have no room for sexual immorality. God is their all in all. Let's be strong, men. Let's be faithful followers of Jesus. Let's fight. Let's die daily. I want to I help you fight well. I want to give you some resources. So my email is joseph at redoak-church.com. If you want resources, if you want to help equip other men, if you want resources, I've got a ton of resources. So email me. If you don't want to email me, there's a table outside as you're exiting with resources on it. Take a picture of the books. Take a, some of them are free. Like, take a picture of them because some of them are PDFs that are free online. But it's worth investing in. I've known, I know I share, I've shared a lot today. I want you to remember this. Action must be taken. Boundaries must be set up. Confession must be genuine. Hard conversations must be had. Drastic steps must be taken to restore freedom, pursue holiness, and build trust back in your relationships. So fight for the health of your marriage, the purity of the church, and the advancement of the gospel. I'll leave you with Jesus' words. If you want to be my disciple, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Thanks for listening. We hope this has encouraged you in your walk with Christ. Be sure to give us a rating and review. And for more Snowbird content, check out our other podcast, No Sanity Required.